Hi everyone, uh, Chewy here with you and thank you for tuning into the next installment of the Magic Beans podcast Evergreen series. Uh, I'm flying solo tonight, which uh, is it's not the first time, but it is fairly unusual for uh, for me to do this on my own. But there's a lot going on in the world of the beans and I wanted to get this out uh, so we don't miss an episode and uh, you guys get all of my Wisdom, you know? Uh, anyway, uh, we are going to be talking about some drafting fundamentals tonight. Um, long-time listeners of the cast will know that I really do enjoy a draft uh, of all types. Uh, and this was a heuristic that helped me in my early days of drafting uh, to yeah, just kind of learn the formats and, and just learn how to navigate a draft uh, and come up with a better end product, which is my draft deck at the end of the day. First of all, before I get into it, just a shout out to uh, our sponsor, which is Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction group. They have nightly auctions and with multiple lots. So over 100 cards uh, go up every night and you can bid on those and pick up some great bargains. They have primo auctions on the weekend. And yeah, if you uh, jump on there and sign up and get a bargain tell them that the bean sent you and they will keep sponsoring us <laughs> and uh, then we can keep uh, offering free tournaments with prizes and keep this weekly podcast going so yeah shout out to josh and pats okay so the draft fundamental that i am going to talk about is bread b-r-e-a-d bread now polywaff will be disappointed to find out we're not talking about making sourdough I know he uh, he does make uh, pretty mean sourdough, but uh, what this is, yeah, just a bit of a heuristic that helps drafters make, well, newer drafters in particular, uh, make some choices during the drafts and, yeah, as I said, help them navigate it. So let's uh, jump straight into it. B. B is for bombs. So a bomb in the, in the limited sense is a card, a single card that has a game-winning effect on its own. Uh, bombs come in lots of different forms. They could be like a big dragon, something that, you know, is just a giant flying creature that can just, you know, dominate the skies and win the game on its own. But there are also a lot of other game-winning effects like Planeswalkers. Uh, many, many Planeswalkers are capable of just winning the cards, winning the game on their own. Uh, there's also powerful artifacts or enchantments that have giant effects on the game. There is uh, like Sandworm Convergence from a couple of sets ago that just pumped out a whole bunch of 5-5 five, five Sandworms and yeah, pretty uh, pretty insane uh, effect once you uh, got to like 7 mana or whatever it was to cast it. There are also Sweepers, uh, things like, you know, Wrath of God effects uh, and things like that that let you get huge amounts of card advantage uh, and control the board. Uh, traditionally, you know, it's not always the case, but most limited decks are most limited games are uh, decided on the battlefield. It's a pretty unusual uh, set of circumstances for that not to happen. So, yeah, a way to uh, kill, you know, your opponent's team is something that is definitely game-winning in and of itself. So, yeah, bombs, B. So that is something that just wins the game on its own, as I've just given some examples. And different formats will have different versions of bombs some of them will be synergy based some are just innately powerful cards uh is format dependent and identifying them uh can be a bit of a skill in some formats but generally you know 
like a six mana five five flying dragon thing, whatever it might be. You know, in most limited formats, is definitely considered a bomb. And you know, four to six mana planeswalkers, you know, in the mythic slot generally, if it's not War in the Spark, uh, can definitely be a uh, uh, a game winning effect on its own. Like uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance, you know, Garrick the Cursed or whatever the green black one was, things like that. Liliana Dreadhorde General, obviously really super duper powerful cards that are just capable of winning games on their own. So that is B for bombs. Uh, R, which is the uh, the next letter <laughs> in bread. Uh, R is for removal. Could be a hashtag, maybe? Maybe not. So uh, some bombs fit the removal category as well, like the aforementioned Wrath of God. Wrath of God. But uh, most removal that we will be referring to are things like you know, murder or, or doomblade, oblivion ring, lightning strike, things that uh, you know deal with your opponent's best cards and and allow your cards to to take over. So something that yeah, just you want to be able to deal with your opponent's best threat. Like you, you want to have your six mana five five dragon or your big planeswalker. So does your opponent. And if you've got a way to deal with theirs, uh, that then allows yours to to dominate the game. So it's definitely something that you uh, you want to have. So removal is prioritized really highly by all drafters. So my recommendation, particularly early, is to take it over anything that's not a bomb. So if you've got, you know, a, a Doomblade, but you've also got uh, a, a huge Planeswalker that overtakes the game, my recommendation would be to take the Planeswalker. And it, this goes back to, uh, and I'm probably misquoting, so let's just say I'm paraphrasing, but uh, Johnny Magic himself, John Finkel, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, one of the greatest limited players the game's ever seen. Uh, he's, one of his uh, most famous comments is, there is no such thing as the wrong threat, just wrong answers. So any creature can be a threat as long as it can attack and deal damage and get the job done if your opponent doesn't have an answer for it. So some things are easier to answer than others, but, you know, everything, if you treat it as a threat, it can be more powerful than an answer. So if you've got, you know, a, a lightning strike or you've got a uh, a dragon, lightning strike may be a really good card, but you take a dragon first. Anyway, uh, a typical draft deck will include like one to two, two if you're lucky, bombs, and two to five pieces of removal. So if you combine your... One to two bombs uh, with your one to two, uh, your two to five pieces of removal. You might have as many as twenty other cards to fill out your deck. So you want to be able to prioritize which cards to take there. So what we'll do, we'll do a bit of an exercise where we will assume that you're locked into a, a two color pair and you've got good mana. We've done a previous evergreen on limited mana, so go back and check that out after you've listened to this episode if you haven't yet uh given that one a listen or if you want a refresher by all means uh go back and listen to that so yeah so you've got you've got your few pieces of removal you're confident you can deal with your opponent's best creatures or planeswalkers or permanents uh and and you've got your couple of bombs that you you know you want to draw into that are just going to take over the game in the in the mid to late game so what about the other up to 20 cards in your deck they can't all be bombs and they can't all be removal right Unless it's cube, because then they probably can be. But uh, yeah, you want to have a look at a way to prioritize those other cards that make up the the bulk of your deck. And that brings us to E in bread, which is evasion. E is for evasion. Uh, One of the key factors 
when evaluating a card for your draft deck is whether or not the creature has evasion. What is evasion? It simply means it has has some condition that makes it difficult to block or just to, difficult to deal with in combat. Therefore, it's more likely to deal more damage to an opponent uh, and you know has a greater chance of helping you win the game. It may not win the game on its own, but you know it might be uh, a creature with flying uh, that just gets in for you know four, six, eight damage over the course of the game on its own, and you can you know leverage that life total difference to you know eke out your win so along with flying menace and protection which we don't see a lot of in modern magic so probably flying and menace i would say would be the uh the tier one uh evasion types so there are some some others out there such as uh trample and first strike they can act like evasion uh in that they're you know a two one with first strike can happily attack past a 2-2 without first strike all day. So it's kind of like pseudo evasion. But yeah, when we say evasion, menace, fear, protection, flying, shadow, you know, uh, unblockable, straight unblockable is uh, something that we see from time to time. There was something deckhand, which could only be blocked by spirits and it was a two mana 2-2, things like that. So just a way to just keep that chip damage going. So yeah, it's a... A really important thing to to do when you're evaluating the game otherwise and we see this a lot in like corset draft if everybody's just got creatures on the ground then the board states just get really gummed up and the games can be sort of these long protracted things so having a way to break that board stall uh, having an unblockable creature a flying creature a menace creature where you can get in those last few points of damage or just have that recursive points of damage that can be a, a really good way to, to close out a game. And it wouldn't be a podcast without a quick tangent, but an example of that was that there was a draft at Nationals many years ago, and it was Time Spiral Draft, and there was a card called Mayaboa, and it was a 2-mana two 2-1 two uh, with Swamp Walk. And I played that on turn 2, and every other spell that... Oh, and it had like one green regenerate. So every single spell that my opponent cast and I cast kind of negated each other. Uh, it was just this, you know, board stall. Uh, they had a bomb, I had the removal. I had the bomb, they had the removal. But that Mayaboa attacked 10 times and dealt 20 points of damage and I won that game because they had a swamp. So, you know, that that evasion, that's that swamp walk, whilst in other matches wasn't relevant because my opponent didn't have swamps, uh, but that that won me that game. Uh, so that is definitely something that uh, you know you want to look for. If uh, you know if you've got a flyer, you want to take that over a, a creature on the ground. Uh, if you've got a creature with menace, you want to take that over a creature without menace. Uh, it just helps you prioritize things. Sometimes you've got to look at you know creature stats and other abilities. But if we're just talking about vanilla creatures, that's definitely something you want to do. Uh, speaking of stats, the A and the D of bread to round us off uh, is attack and defense so i'm going to bundle those into the same category here because it's something that you probably need to evaluate together uh you know checking creature stats versus its mana cost is one of the very first things that we learn when we're evaluating a, a magic card be that you know when we're just starting to play whether it's something you want to put into your deck or uh, 
uh, it is a, a draft when you you know you you want to see if you know this is a worthwhile creature and that that evaluation changes format to format and also has a lot to do with the other text and other abilities that the card has but evaluating the attack and defense ratio or the whether attack or defense is what you want uh, is definitely uh, something that's doubly important in the context of limited. So, for example, if we're talking about three mana creatures, I I will 100% of the time take a vanilla 2-3 over a vanilla 3-2, even though it attacks for 30% less damage. Why? Uh, because it can block or even attack past 2-2 two, two creatures, where the 3-2 cannot. So a 3-2 will often trade with a two mana creature so if we're again we're talking about three mana three twos and if that trades down with a two mana creature it gets blocked by their grizzly bear uh, it earns your opponent a a mana advantage and because you know their three drops probably survived or yours hasn't they've got a tempo advantage and all of a sudden you're behind in the game so a three mana two three is better than a three mana two three i hope that ma- uh, three mana three two yes that makes sense yeah, and again, obviously, um, evasion or other villages or synergies can sway that evaluation. But when considering a pick like this for ground-based creatures, uh, it's best to make the pick that has the most survivability. So it is a uh, a really good heuristic when you're uh, when you're looking at that. Like, how hard is this card to to deal with? How hard is this to kill? Because if your cards have more longevity on the battlefield they're going to be harder for your opponents to deal with so to cap that off on our very short little evergreen episode here uh we're talking about bread bombs cards that win the game on their own game winning effects removal things that deal with your opponent's best permanents best creatures and then therefore create the space for your your powerful effects or your not so powerful effects to take over the game evasion Ways to just recur damage, a recursive damage source, creatures that are difficult to, to deal with in combat, things that can attack over the top or, or through your opponent's creatures, and then evaluating attack and defense with putting a priority in limited on survivability and things that are not going to trade down in mana. So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this very brief episode of the Magic Beans Podcast Evergreen series. My name is Chewy. Uh, you can follow me on twitter at chewy mtg you can follow the beans at magic beans cast you can also find us on twitch on youtube and facebook just search magic beans cast and don't forget to check out our sponsors at josh and pat's mtg bazaar just search for those guys on facebook and there'll be a link to the uh, link to their page on the on the show notes that's what i'm looking for so Uh, Again, thanks very much for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Magic Beans podcast.